It's time for The Citizen Lobbyist, a discussion of local borough and state politics featuring Terry Snyder and Mike Malefsky. Mike Malefsky here at Big Cabbage Radio in Palmer, Alaska. Welcome, Citizen Lobbyist. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I am doing quite well, quite well. Uh, Just uh, in recovery mode, not too badly uh, stretched by being at the Palmer City Council meeting uh, this past Tuesday. And I thought we could sort of go over some of the important things that happened in that uh, two-hour period. Sounds good. It was kind of a short and sweet meeting in comparison to a lot of these type of meetings. So I'll let you take the lead since you were in the room and I was listening in. Okay. First of all, uh, being in the room meant I was sharing the room with a lot of people. And many of them were police officers and uh, they were there uh, to support a newly uh, appointed officer who was sworn in. And what's happened, the the chief and the mayor have have worked to have the swearing-in of new officers happen at city council meetings. And I think that's a pretty pretty good thing. So people were supportive, the swearing-in happened, and then they moved on to the rest of the meeting as the number of people dwindled within the room. Ah, that's what happens sometimes. Yep. But that didn't mean that there wasn't some discussion and wasn't uh, some information that was uh, shared one sort or the other. And uh, when you were listening, as you were listening, what was the first thing that popped out as as uh, worth paying attention to? Well, that uh, Mayor Carrington wasn't there, uh, or like physically in the room. Um, he, he went on later to explain that um, he had some family matters he had to take care of, but he had a really good, um, both the YouTube uh, broadcast was great, Mike, and the streaming um, from Radio Free Palmer, and the Zoom worked really well. You yep. can see uh, Mayor Carrington there. He was very efficient and using the mute button, and um, he was paying very good attention. He said it was kind of nice to take a break and let someone else run the meeting, so that meant that Deputy Mayor Millen was, uh, Maline was actually running the meeting which I think is probably the first time since he's been sworn in. I think that I think that is right, and it was good practice because it's not something mm-hmm. that just comes naturally or that you just step in and do. And, uh, of course, uh, Council Member Anzalotti was sitting right next to her because uh, she's next in line. If uh, the two of them uh, are not there, the mayor and the, and the uh, vice mayor, then she would take over. So it was a— it was, Yeah, and also in terms of uh, sharing— the activities. Uh, I might point out that it was uh, um, uh, Councilmember Alcantara who uh, did some of the some of the work too in terms of of uh, announcing things. So they were sharing it all. Yeah, I think this is something that the mayor has uh, taken sort of a different route than past and previous mayors in that. When there's a proclamation, he likes to share the love. Yep. And um, and depend. I think he's pretty um, very directive in who he picks for what. But he had um, Mr. Alcantara do the first proclamation, which was um, one to the frontiersman newspaper. Right. Seventy-five. Did I hear that right? Seventy-five years. Yeah, seventy-five years. Seven. Right. Ooh. Long time. Just a comment though about that. Uh, uh, 
I've been involved with the Frontiersmen for, oh, maybe 35 years. And I've had varying relationships in one way or another. And I've I've been uh, visiting their, their different locations. They have been in different places. And my memory as they were talking about that uh, harkened back to a time when there would be a reporter uh, there at every meeting. And it's this uh, pre predated Tim Rocky, who was the most recent reporter who was there regularly. And he was there regularly so that uh, there was coverage and there was an opportunity which I always felt was, was worthwhile uh, for the reporter to clarify, have a, have a chance to interface with someone who was there, uh, uh, yeah. who had made some comment or, or there was a particular action taken. And that's all gone away. That's all gone yeah, away. What came to my mind, Mike, is that um, how I guess lucky we are to have some local newspaper coverage. I know in my hometown, the longest-standing newspaper in Southern Oregon closed its doors um, just about with hardly any notice, I think one day notice um, a few weeks ago. So there's absolutely in a pretty big area, bigger than Fairbanks, and reaching um, a big area is now just shut down. So I guess the fact they're still there printing, even though the Anchorage Press was part of that operation, went dark. Um, They're hanging on by thread, I guess, and they were there to get their proclamation, which I guess is good, too. Yeah, okay. So let's move on then to some of the substantive work that was done. And and for that... uh, there was there was a big I, I guess the the piece that I I think was uh, significant uh, had to do uh, with a uh, a resolution um, that was second in line of, in public hearings and that was resolution number twenty three oh oh seven this was an appropriation of funds in the principal amount not to exceed two hundred six thousand dollars for the purchase of a new loader mounted snowblower um, for Palmer Roads. And this was, as it stated, a direct replacement for the existing 42-year-old loader uh, mounted snowblower. Mm. Well, there were were some people who spoke at the public hearing that that questioned whether uh, this was, uh, well, one needed or was the right one to purchase. And I think that uh, the manager, John Moosey, uh, did a pretty good job of, of stepping up and saying, uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> our memory yeah. still exists of this most recent time. And if you're talking to the Public Works Department, their memory is even sharper because they had a lot of equipment that uh, broke down uh, and is at the end of its life. And the biggest, one of the biggest and most important pieces of heavy equipment is this, is this snowblower. And uh, he explained that uh, there was an opportunity to do this and to have it delivered by the middle of February, uh, where it uh, normally would take a long, long time for that to happen. And ultimately, after some discussion, uh, the council voted unanimously to approve that. Right. I, you know, I think the conversation um, really started off um, in response to what one testifier said that he just opposed it and thought they should wait for a grant and that it was an impulse buy. It should have been part of the, the uh, budget that was just passed. And I, I think Mr. Moosey defended it pretty, pretty well. I mean, he, he went on to say they didn't anticipate the storm, that um, and they've been over this kind of, that they've had three loaders uh, for the city and um, one for the airport, and they've had 
This was uh, sort of a replacement for a 42-year-old piece of equipment. Most of most of the equipment they get there at the city are hand-me-downs. Um, the newest piece of equipment they have um, in this area of snow removal is 23 years old. So, you know, he went on to kind of talk about it. And as far as the grants, um, had the same institute or asked about that, diligent if someone had testified that, but they're talking about a grant that really is for fire personnel, doesn't really cover that, wouldn't even come through to 2024. And he reminded them that, um, you know, they're just receiving a fire engine that they went ahead and uh, budgeted for. And between the time they said the okay and now there's been about $200,000 increase that now they're not having to pay because they were brave and went out there and um, shouldn't be construed as impulsive when you're trying to um, meet the community needs. So I think that Lucy did a good job with that, and it, it came through because at the end of end of the day, um, even uh, uh, both most of the council members, and including the uh, deputy mayor, said that she had no heartburn with this, and the vote was unanimous to go yep. ahead and purchase. Yep. It worked. It worked fine. Equipment. Well, let's uh, circle back a little bit. Uh, during audience participation, uh, there were a number of, of people who spoke and raised some question regarding uh, the Palmer Museum of History and Art, and uh, there were questions raised about uh, the contract with the, with George Cullum over at the uh, Palmer uh, Golf Course. And uh, also appearing there and speaking... Uh, with Mary Jo Parks, who's president of the Palmer Museum of History and Arts Board of Directors. And uh, she spoke about, um, first of all, to introduce uh, a new uh, ED, Amber, who had been selected and uh, was known in, yep, known, known in the community. And um, then uh, there, were, there were some interesting comments made later, again, by audience participants about, uh, well... Uh, raising a question of, of, of how was that process done. And it's, I think, important for listeners to understand that uh, although there's a contract between the city and the Palmer Museum of History and Art, the Palmer Museum of History and Art is a nonprofit organization that does its work. And this, this then led into, later on by the end of the meeting, a, a request for the attorney to review all of the contracts uh, that the city had out there to ensure that uh, that they, they are proper. And I, I think at the heart of it is a, a struggle, if you will, uh, to determine to what degree should a should the council control the detail of what is done by an organization that has a contract. Yeah, this is um, this is going to this is an interesting topic that's been brewing. Sort of started off by a couple of community members that are not um, happy with what how the museum was executing certain things, um, and it's kind of um, rolled into this bigger question of contracts and how much the council should be involved in that. Um, you know, I, I'd like I, I, no one asked, um, and I'm curious that. Does the, does the city attorney get paid by the hour or by the year? Because uh, by the hour to go through every contract, because there was no line, any contract over a certain monetary amount. But if it's all contracts, which I understood by Mr. Best asking about, um, that could be a lot of contracts. And where 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 is that? You know, how do you 
arena that off and what's the cost of that. And if, if you're really truly a conservative, um, in my mind, um, council person, you should be asking that question, too, because what's the rate of return, re, re, you know? They get the final say on approval of all of these anyway. Um, so what exactly is that going to do? Because we have snow contracts. We have we have tons of contracts. Sure. In the city. Well, the, a lot. Yeah. So. And, and the other the other part about it here, about the ongoing uh, communication uh, over the years, what's typically happened is that there have been reports, regular reports, not just at the time when the contract is up, uh, from both the Palmer Museum of History and Art and uh, the golf course uh, to give an update on how things are going and, and, and all. And I suspect that part of this is that, uh, with the exception of two members, the other five members on, on the council are all relatively new and do not have uh, the background in history about how mm-hmm. things work. So one of the suggestions is uh, perhaps... Uh, what they need is a work session uh, to review the history of the relationship between the city and those two entities. Uh, and because I think what begins to happen is that the business meeting of the council uh, gets, if you will, clogged a bit by trying to provide information uh, not specific to something that's, that's on the agenda, but just mm-hmm. background information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there was um, Council Member Tudor that suggested they set up a committee because um, so that they can communicate uh, better with these entities. Um, I'm not sure what the you know what the code says about setting up committees. I think at one point you couldn't do that beyond the committees that are already there, but that that wasn't brought up. So indeed, might that might happen. Communication is a good thing, but um, yeah, that there's some of the struggles when you have people that are new to um, the council that really haven't been involved in the everyday. Um, sometimes, you know, things look like a, you need a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Um, but, you know, in the name of transparency, maybe it's okay for them to look at some of these contracts and take a, a little closer eye on them. But I think you also just need to figure out what's the cost of that process and what's the rate of return in doing that. And do you have... Um, do you have faith in your manager and your department heads, or is there a problem there that you need to investigate more? Right. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting, and I don't think we, we certainly haven't, because I think, aren't they talking about at least having the golf contract back and the attorney? Well, the, the, the attorney the attorney is in, pr- is in process. The attorney is in process yeah. reviewing it for some of the technical issues. But the, but the other part, and something that uh, the manager, John Moosey, uh, stressed and pointed out is that you, you can't just, you have a contract, <laughs> and you yeah. agree to do certain things and pay certain things. And unless there's, there's something egregious, it, there's not much you could do. And I think what, that's part of what yeah. uh, is being looked at. Uh, the council, uh, council members are saying, let's, um, let's be, be clear that if we, if we understand how we end a contract and on what basis that everybody knows that, and typically a contract has some of that uh, language in there, I just think that uh, I think in part uh, this is the broader question that was addressed a bit toward the end of the meeting of mm-hmm. having, a, having a few people uh, appear at a council meeting and make uh, some accusations or make some comments mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I think uh, Mr. Alcantara pointed this out, others pointed out, that the people that are, are there represent a tiny portion of the entire community. Mm -hmm. And they may have a, a concern and they express it, but the question is, does that necessarily mean the council has to jump in and mm -hmm. may want to look at it? But it, in some cases, uh, the the comments are uh, wildly uh, probably out of touch with the, the real scene. And and so I, th I think that's where the council is trying to say, OK, if we have at least someone who's concerned, uh, is this a valid concern? Or actually, are we doing pretty well with both of those entities? Yeah, I think what he's saying, and I think that the theme comes out, is do you want a responsible council or a reactionary council? Right. Um, because, you know, and I, and I think there is some measure of accountability. There is a bit of a history in state government of putting things through and then asking for forgiveness a little down the line, maybe out of order a little bit. But you have to remember, the city of Palmer only has 61 employees. They have a very small administrative staff. Um, and so it's much easier just to kind of go and replay everything that's been done than to start all over again um, and have it fully vetted. So there has to be a balance there with transparency and a balance of due diligence and just not getting too much in the weeds and micromanaging everything that's going on. Um, and getting led down that road by people that may not have all the information. Right. Um, and also doing a little bit of that work before you get to the table. Got it. You're hearing this from your constituents. Um, you know, staff's pretty responsive to hearing from council members and the mayor if they have some questions about it and not bringing it to the table. Now, I, we skipped over one other thing early on in the meeting that I want to bring attention to, and that's uh, Linda Combs, who's board president of the Palmer Senior C Citizen Center. Uh, she was there to uh, talk a little bit about the Senior Citizen Center uh, doing business as Matsu Senior Services, either name, uh, but uh, was there to point out that they have just had a change in their management, and they're going to use two people and promote from within to make that happen. Uh, I thought that was uh, kind of an interesting, interesting uh, action on the part of that particular board and that organization. Yeah, they've had a bit of a um, rocky road. They've had a couple of different, they had a long interim, they had a long CEO, they had an interim for quite a long time. Then they had another CEO, then they had back, brought back the interim, and now that now they're down another path. So has not been a very solid transition, so we'll see how this goes. Um, they, of course, you know, are recipients for a lot of grant monies um, and serve a lot of areas of the community, so um, hopefully that's a good approach. Yep, yep. Okay, we're nearing the end of our discussion about uh, Palmer City Council meeting of this week. Uh, do you have, have we missed other things that you want to draw attention to before we do finish up? I just want to draw attention to people to go to the Palmer um, City of uh, Palmer website and download the packet. <laughs> right. It really does. I mean, there's just so much information in the packet. Even if, in this one, there was a, quite a um, good, I thought, a, a very good um, mayor's report that went through just a lot of stuff, even though he wasn't there. It's one of the better mayor reports I've seen, quite um, diligent, having to do with the rail. And also there was even pictures of the snowblower that they're going to get. So, you know, if before, um, if you're going to testify or you're going to um, 
you know, talk to your council people. Um, please read the packet. There's a lot of information in there. Oh, yeah. And that certainly goes for the people sitting at the table. Right, right. Especially, especially, especially that. Yeah. Or, or if you're if you're going to if you're going to speak at persons to be heard, and you've not prepped, you, you have a portion of a uh, of the information, and th- you can you can be helpful by identifying things that you think could be done in addition, or you have questions, uh, you can do it, but you can do it from an informed place. Very, very nicely put. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. It's really good. Well, citizen lobbyists, thank right. you. Thank you very much for doing this and uh, stay well out there. It's gotten warmer. It's gotten warmer for sure. Okay. Be well, Mike. Yep. You too. Bye. You've been listening to The Citizen Lobbyist, broadcast on Thursdays at 8 a.m. and repeated at 5 p.m. on Big Cabbage Radio in Palmer, Alaska. You can find the podcast at RadioFreePalmer.org. The views and opinions of moderators and guests did not necessarily represent those of Radio Free Palmer, this station, or its underwriters. If you have any comments or questions, please email manager at RadioFreePalmer.org.